have in my hand? Powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, and save man's soul. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are wonderful. Emphasis on wonderful. In those Bibles you held up, turn to Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. That's where we're going to be today. Oftentimes, preachers end up preaching to the choir, so to speak. People who are always here, very rarely miss. But the choir can go to sleep sometimes. And today I'm going to talk about something that you've gone to sleep on. I was preaching in North Tulsa some years ago, and I told the crowd that was there that what I'm fixing to say you're not going to like. And and I paused, and a lady in the back yelled out, Say it anyway. So I'm going to say it today whether you want it or not. It's coming. This church has to wake up. You are the church. You have to wake up. This is an area of your life that if you don't wake up, there's going to be a penalty you're going to pay for it. A price you're going to pay. I'm telling you. Coming straight from the Word of God. Matthew 28, 16-20. Hang on to that verse because we're not going to leave that section. I will, but you won't. You stay right there. But... Wonder Woman. How does she fit into what I'm going to say today? Power, courage, and wonder. Three words that we need to understand. She comes off as a perfect person. A time traveler. That's what the movie does. She goes from this to this to this. World War I to back and back in the old times and back in when she was raised and you got to stay with the movie to kind of catch it all up but it's about her leaving the isolation of paradise island to explore the rest of the world and it's here it's in those travels that she eventually becomes a hero she finds her purpose. But everything has a beginning. And so I've got an opening clip I want you to see to help us get started. I used to want to save the world. This beautiful place. But the closer you get, the more you see the great darkness surrounding within. When faced with the truth, is more difficult than you think. A long time ago. And now, I will never be the same.
been showing her some things. She should at least... I pray they will never publish a hostile fight. But you know, a scorpion must sing, a wolf must hunt. She is a child. The interesting part of this clip, and it jumps back and forth, did you catch what she said at the front? She said, I used to think I could save the world. When you became a Christian, did you think you could save the world? Did you could save people? That man, now I'm ready to go. I remember at 16 when the preacher baptized me and I came out of the water, I immediately said, Oh my goodness, I'm ready to do something for God. I was so full of strength, so full of vigor, so full of the Spirit. I didn't care who was going to say boo or what. I was ready to lead them to Christ. I was ready to take the, take, take the challenge in front of me and lead people to God. Man, was I ready. Then I went to Bible college. Woo, look out now. I got out of Bible college. And I was excited because I finally I put all that behind me. I didn't need it, I thought, but boy, I got it. Here we go. And the first thing I did was move out from Bible college, go to a church of 35, and say, Billy Graham is in town. Hello! Man, I worked, and 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 I called, and I called, and I prayed, and I worked. And I grew that church to 40. And I began to learn very quickly. It's not about me. God can give you all kinds of strengths, all kinds of gifts, all kinds of ways that you can serve. And man, He'll use every one of them if you let Him. Amen? Trust me, I've found that since I moved here. He'll give you every, use every gift you've got, and then He'll drain it. Because you see, once you're through with you, he might have a chance. That's what Diana had to learn. That's what Wonder Woman had to learn. She watched the other Amazon women training, and she thought she was ready. She said, Mom, I think I'm ready. Mom grabbed her by the hand while she thought she could jump off that cliff and be okay. But she wasn't ready. And mom says she's just a child. You see, that's where all of us start. We're just children. We're just babes in the Lord. And it's easy over time to become comfortable. To become comfortable in the church. To be comfortable in your walk with God. To be comfortable with where you are. It's easy. And time will let you do that because your fear of influence, those around you are all Christians. They're just like you. You have no influence on them because you're all alike. But God said, just like Wonder Woman learned to leave Paradise Island, you and I need to learn to leave the comfort of our Selves. Not isolate ourselves like we have done, but leave that isolation. Let's look at our text today. Matthew 28, pick up at verse 16. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. 
Jesus came and told His disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God only hates His perfect people. You believe that? No. It's a lie. God can and will use even you. As worthless, as compromising, as complacent, and as settled as you are, He can still use you. Look at our text in verse 16 and 17. Jesus authorizes, the first myth I want you to understand, is Jesus authorizes all of His followers to make disciples. Everybody, everybody in this room who's called Jesus your Savior, been to the waters of baptism, risen to walk in a new life, you now are commanded to lead people to Christ. Everybody, not perfect people, not just a few chosen, everybody. Look what he says. Eleven followers went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. On the mountain they saw Jesus and worshipped him, but some of them did not really did not believe it was really Jesus. And look at verse eighteen. Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Heaven and where? Earth. He's got it all. It's all His. And He is imparting it, giving it, driving it into us. The thing that's interesting about Wonder Woman is that though she was born with a special power, she had to learn how to use it. And if you've watched the movie, she goes into training. And it shows her progressing in training. Until one day, the aunt is the one who's telling the sister that she could start training her. And her aunt then, who is the best of the best, begins to beat her and knock her down. And was ready to come down on her with a sword. And that's when she puts her wrist together and blows her aunt back 40 40 yards. And it was at that point that she understood her special power. Well, I'm here to tell you, you have a special power. It's called the Holy Spirit living in you. And you should never be afraid to share the gospel of Christ. You should never be afraid to take a stand for Jesus. You should never be afraid when somebody says, why are you a Christian? To be able to tell them. Never be afraid. That's you. Because the Holy Spirit is living in you unless you have quenched Him and shackled Him and told Him He can't do anything in you because you refuse to do it. Let me give you seven quick reasons why evangelism should be a high priority in this church and in your life. Number one, Christ commanded it. Matthew 28, 18-20. It's up on the, up on the, uh, on the screen, 18-20. through 20. 
Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach the new disciples to obey the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. There is the marching orders. There is the command. There is the Holy Spirit living in you to push you. If you don't do it, you're not going to make it. You've got to do it. How many of you can honestly raise your hand and say, God has used me to help somebody come to, come to Jesus Christ? Awesome. few hands. few hands. Every hand should go up. Now see, here's an interesting part of this whole scenario. You may not be the one that talks to them. See, don't lose me here. You may not be the one that shares the Scripture with them. You may be the one who's prayed for them. You may be the one who's encouraged them to go to church. You may be the one who's talked to them about uh, God. You've been, the, you've been the one who's shown them what God looks like. You've been the one who's encouraged them. You've been the one who's made sure that financially they got to camp or to CIY or some other event. You're the, you see what I'm saying? You see how this is working? It's a team effort, isn't it? It's a team effort. So see, you may have fit in any one of those. So now if I ask you, how many of you have been, have been a part of somebody coming to know Christ as Savior? Now how many of you could raise your hand? Oh, a few more. Oh, a few more. You see what I'm saying? You may not be the one that says the words. You may not be the one that goes up and baptizes them in the water. But you may be the one that's prayed for them for 20, 30 years. You may be the one that never quit believing that they were going to come to Christ. You may be the one that kept taking them to God, taking them to God, taking them to God, taking them to God. You see what I'm saying? It's a team effort. So you see, we all are part of this. You see what I'm saying? But then there's some that have done nothing. There's some that have done nothing. There's some that have said, well, somebody else will do it. But see, Christ commanded it. Second, because Christ is the only way of salvation. Look at John 14:6. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father. How? Read it. Except through me. You're not going to make it. Except through Christ. Third, because Christ died for the world. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, one and only Son, that whoever, that everyone who believes in Him uh, will not perish but have eternal life. We all know that verse, but it's true. Number four, because churches that are not intentional about evangelism typically are weak in evangelism. Number five, because churches tend to obsess inwardly when they fail to move outwardly. We're so concerned about us. We're so concerned about this. We're so concerned about that. What about out there? Well, we've got to take care of the house before we go. No. Evangelism is out there, not here. Now, do we need to take care of our home? Yes. Do we need to make sure that things here are strong? Yes. But we shouldn't do that to the detriment of what's out there. We do domestic missions. We do foreign missions. It's important that we be involved in that. Because I think that's where the blessing of God comes. Number five is because churches tend to obsess inwardly when they fail to move outwardly. Number six, because churches become content and complacent with just transfer growth instead of numerical growth at baptism. Baptism is growth. That's a brand new one that's never known the Lord. Anybody can share sheep. <laughs> that's what you do when you transfer from one church to the next church. You're just sharing sheep. But it's that person that's never made their confession of faith. That's who we're after. 
Saw two of those last just in the last month come to the Lord. Amen? It's exciting stuff, isn't it? When that water moves, it's exciting stuff. Even though most of the time when we put kids up there, they think we're going to drown them. I haven't had one drown yet. I haven't lost a one up in Baptistry yet. Joe Kincaid was close. Some of you might remember old No-Toast Joe. Seven, because evangelistic Christians actually grow stronger as better discipled Christians. When they're discipled, they grow stronger. Luke 10 and verse 2, powerful verse. It's really the call for all of us. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into His harvest field. We need more laborers. We need more harvesters. We need more workers. The second myth. Well, first of all, Jesus authorizes all His followers to make disciples. And the second myth is that Jesus prescribes a process to make disciples. He, he prescribes a process. Look at verse 19 and 20, first part of 20 in our text. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You see the process? You see it? He says, go, make disciples, baptize them, and then watch number four, teach them. Go, make disciples, baptize them, teach them. You might be saying, gosh, preacher, this is all elementary. But you're not doing it. You're not doing it. If you were doing it, there wouldn't be empty chairs in this room. Well, I don't have anybody to talk to. Precisely my point. You've cut off the world around you. You've cut off those who aren't Christians around you. My contention is you need to have some of them around you. Well, they may pull me away. Then strengthen your faith. Shame on you. Shame on Well, I used to be a drinker. If I go to the bar, I'll fall back into drinking. Well, then talk to them somewhere besides the bar. Well, they're in the bar all the time. 24-7, seven days a week, they're in the bar. Quit making excuses. There's people you need to invite to your church and ultimately invite to Jesus. Here's what I want you to know about discipleship. Four things. Number one, discipleship isn't easy. It's not easy. Luke 9, 23 through 25. Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to follow me, you must give up your, give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are, but are lo- yourself lost or destroyed? I mean, really, what good is it if you give it all up and then lose what you have? I've known people who come to the Lord and they've walked away from Him. Stupid. That's stupid. Are you kidding me? Somebody gave you the greatest gift of all time and you threw it away? Just how stupid are you? Secondly, discipleship isn't just me and Jesus. Boy, it's just me and Jesus. We're making a run for it. Here I go. Look at Acts chapter 1, 21 and 22. What should we do? 
they will certainly hear that you have come. They will certainly hear that you've come. It's not just you and Jesus. It's everybody in Jesus. Number three, discipleship isn't mentoring. It isn't mentoring. Discipleship is not me just sitting with you and having a cup of coffee and saying, Hey man, how's it going? Everything okay? Discipleship is you and I meeting and studying and answering questions that God puts in your heart if you've read the Scripture. I had the privilege last week of sitting down with one of our young people who has questions. They, they're hearing things taught. They're reading Scripture and asking questions. Loved it. I could sit there all day long and do that. Love it. Love it. When's the last time you even had a question about the Bible? When's the last time you even cared that you read it enough, that it impacted you enough to generate a question? Well, you know, I just, I've, read, I've read that Bible. I read it through one year, all the way through Genesis Revelation. I read the whole thing. Fantastic. Did it generate any newness in you? Well, no. It's kind of like the person I met. True story. Read the book of James. Reading the book of James came and said, You know, I've read that book four times. I haven't seen a thing in there that applies to my life. How blind is that person? You can't read the book of James verse 1 and not have it apply to your life. Much less chapter 3 when it tells you that your tongue is on fire by hell itself. You controlled your tongue? <laughs> well, let me ask some folks around you. It's more than mentoring, and fourthly, discipleship is not a method. In Matthew 10, verses 5 through 15, that's what goes with this point. That's where Jesus is compelling them to, to go out and to speak on his behalf. You and I are compelled to go and speak. You and I are told to go and speak. To invite people. We're told to invite them. Jesus uses it as a feast. I'm telling you we have the feast of communion every Sunday. Invite them to come with you. Oh, preacher, I've invited. They just don't want to come. Keep inviting. Be so obnoxious they'll come just to get you to shut up. And here's how you invite them. Okay, I'm coming by Sunday at... 9.20 to bring you to church. Don't give them an out. Say, would it be okay if I came by? No, say, I'm coming by 9.20 to get you. Go out of your car, go up knock on their door. They come in their pajamas. Say, okay, ready? Well, I'm not dressed. Hey, you look good to me. Come on. Just keep bugging them till they come. Bug them till they come. And you know what? They might find that the love of God is here. You know what? They might find that the joy of the Lord is here. Amen? That's what they might find. They might find that there's forgiveness at the cross. They might find that. You never know. But if you never ask them, they'll never hear it. Second Timothy 4, 7 and 8. This is for those of us that have fought that good fight. Look, it says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there's there in store for me a, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for His appearing. You know, I can't wait for the Lord to come back. How about you? 
Third thing I want you to see today. Jesus authorizes all of his followers to make disciples. He prescribes a, pro- a process to make, dis- make disciples. And then thirdly, he promises his perseverance to make those disciples. In our movie, Wonder Woman time travels. and In the end scene, she's representing the forces of good against the forces of evil who are her brother. And her brother is out to destroy her. Evil is out to destroy good. We still live that way. Our enemy, Satan, is out to destroy any good that God can do. But I want you to listen to what Wonder Woman says as this clip begins. After everything you say, but so much more. what I deserve it's not what you deserve it's what you believe and she said I believe I believe she said and I believe enough look at the last of our verse verse 20 our text today And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Do you believe enough that He could use even you to share the gospel? Do you believe even enough That the Holy Spirit living in you can create change to the point where people are amazed and in awe of what they see in you. John 14 says, If you love me, you will obey my commandments. 
I will ask the Father and He will give you another Helper who will stay with you forever. He is the Spirit who reveals the truth about God. The world cannot receive Him because it cannot see Him or know Him. But you know Him because He remains with you and is in you. So when Wonder Woman receives the evil power from her brother, she receives it, overcomes it, and then delivers just like you and I can. The darts of Satan will come. The blows of Satan will come. The frustrations of Satan will come. The doubts of Satan will come. All of its coming. All of its beating. All of the doubts. All of the whatevers are coming at you. And let me give you three quick reasons why you need to obey God and not back up. Number one, it's our duty. Number one, it's our duty. Number two, obedience involves hope for a future blessing hope for a future blessing number three our love for God wants to make us make him look good I close with this quote C.T. Studd was an evangelist in the 1800's this is my favorite quote I have ever read Someone to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I will run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Father, I ask you this morning, is there a Billy Graham in our midst? Is there a Dietrich Bonhoeffer in our midst? Is there a Corey Tinboom in our midst? Is there a Mother Teresa? Is there a Joan of Arc? Is there an Apostle Paul? Is there a Peter? Is there a Ruth or an Esther or a Mary? God, Wonder Woman was one person. One person who made a difference. Is there one person today who will hear the clarion call of your Son, Jesus Christ, who said, Go, make disciples, baptize them, and then teach them. Is there one who will hear that? Is there one who will embrace that? And is there one who will rise up and become that? And release the Spirit that's in each of us to do a mighty work, a powerful work, a life-changing work. But God, they can't do it until they've changed their life first. Maybe they need to renew that commitment. Maybe they need to come back to you in repentance. Maybe they need to come for the very first time. Is there one? In Jesus' name, amen.